0: You know i i don't know uh, about you but i'm not i'm not one of those people who you know watches the news or listens to things and and kind of gets panicked and you know and that sort of thing but every once in a while you get to those periods of time where you just kind of wonder like where are we going and what kind of what's going on here you know in our nation in our world and uh, recently i've been just in one of those places and and like I said, I'm not a worrier. I'm not an overreactor. I'm just kind of like, what's going on? And one of the one of the blessings that uh, that we have as Christians is our our faith gives us a promise and a hope that uh, we have a Lord who will return, and uh, when He comes back, He's going to take us to be with Him. But sometimes I don't know about you, but but there's times when you're kind of like, but when is that going to be, Lord? You know, like, when are you coming? Uh, And and sometimes it's like, would you please hurry and come back? Because things are so crazy. And uh, and so there's been some of those times recently. um, But uh, in the meantime, we do have some things that we're supposed to be about. And uh, one of those uh, things is to make sure that we get our house clean we get our lives right with him and take care of things making sure that that our focus and attention is where it is supposed to be let me give you an example what I'm what I'm talking about when you have invited company over right you know for for those of you who you know you've invited people to come over or you have company coming from out of town right? And so what is the what is one of the things that you do? At least in our house, what we do is we spend the day getting things cleaned up and ready, right? We want to be ready for when our company comes. We want to make sure that, you know, that we're picked up a little bit and straightened out and, and those co- sorts of things. We want to make sure that our focus and attention isn't going to be people coming in and looking at, at a chaotic mess, but rather uh, be able to have a time of fellowship. When when uh, our kids uh, who live away from here were coming uh, to visit at Christmas time, you know, we, we spent some time getting things ready and making sure we had, and had beds to make and get things all picked up and ready to go for, for the company. And, and so when we were done with that, uh, we, we had that period of time where we knew they were coming on a certain day, right? We knew they were coming, and this year it was on, on December 22nd. We knew they were coming but we didn't know for sure when, you know. So then you're sitting there kind of in, in anticipation, like, are, where are they, they going to be here soon? You know, when, when did you leave? You know, kind of estimating what time and, and those sorts of things. And we're, we're anxious. We're, we're excited and ready for them to come there. Well, we have a promise from God that Jesus is coming back. God is coming for us. And He's told us, get ready. Be prepared. Get set for that time and that day when that happens. We don't know when it's going to be. We don't, you know, we we have no concept or idea of the day or the hour. But we know it is a truth that is coming. And so I want us to be thinking kind of in terms of uh, when you think about your company coming? What have you done in getting ready for your company to come? And then think about your Lord is coming. What is going to be important is our lives. And so where are you with that process? How, how ready is your life for when Christ returns? Which could be any moment. I remember we had a man in our church who would visit with him once in a while and one of the things that he was convinced was, Jesus is going to come back during my lifetime. It didn't happen. We don't know. But one of the things I can say about that man was he was ready. And you and I have to be ready as well. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I thank you for your promise. I thank you for the hope and the joy that we can take in remembering and thinking about the fact that, Lord, you are coming back for us. There will be that day when we will see you that we will be with you in eternity forever and ever. As some of these songs just uh, pointed out to us, Lord, we, we have a blessed hope that's beyond anybody who is here on the earth. And so, Lord, we look forward to that day. But in the meantime, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help each of us to make sure we're preparing a place for you in our hearts and lives so that when you return, we are prepared and we're ready to be with you. So Lord, thank you for your presence leading and guiding through this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would turn with me to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 24, the place that I always uh, like to start is with the Lord Jesus and uh, and in, in Scripture. But one of the questions we have is that day and the hour. Look at what verse thirty six of chapter twenty four Matthew says. but concerning that day and hour, no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. Think about that uh, as you as you think about you know i you know when you read scripture and you kind of see like angels interacting with people uh, you know throughout especially the Old Testament you see those interactions Uh, the angels came to to the shepherds all of those sorts of things You, you almost kind of get that sense or that that feeling that the angels know everything you know that they're kind of very much like God and so they would know everything and so then you read this and and it says the angels don't even know the day and the hour and to me that's when i read that it's kind of like wow it's kind of almost a shocking thing to read and then it says even jesus god the son didn't know the day and the hour now i'm assuming that that scripture is talking about when jesus was here on earth and he was uh, living amongst people i i would assume that since he is god and he's with god the father in heaven they probably have communicated about this. But we don't know. Maybe only God the Father still has the only answers. And we, we don't have we don't know that. We, we we're not told. But in that text, it says, concerning that day and hour, therefore it is a particular day and hour. It's not a hypothetical, it's not a possibility but it is a set thing there is a day and an hour that this will take place it's not maybe will take place it will take place jesus will come back there are people who want to tell us that it has already happened or it's not really going to happen those sorts of things we have to then sort through and decide is scripture accurate is it correct or not if it is then i'm in the word and the word tells me there is a day there is an hour there is a time that that is going to happen but again go back to jesus and think about this for a second in john chapter one john says that in the beginning was the word and who is the Word? Jesus is the Word, right? That's being talked about. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, Jesus, was involved with the creation of the world. And yet, Jesus doesn't know the day and the hour. There is that promise and that hope, but Jesus didn't have the information at the time. If you would turn with me to Philippians. Chapter 2. And if you're using a chair Bible, it's on page 1,165. In Philippians chapter 2, we're given some information on what it's like or what it's about in terms of getting our house ready for uh, Christ's return. It's kind of that, you know, getting things cleaned up and picked up and ready and prepared for that this is honestly one of my favorite portions of scripture because of what we see that Jesus does here chapter 2 verse 1 so if there's any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being when you think about that cleaning up of the home, of your heart or life, I couldn't help but put up this kind of silly uh, picture. Um, But how do you go about cleaning up your house? You know, do you expect somebody else to do it and you're going to sit back and do nothing? Or are you going to get off of the couch, so to speak, and get to work? Are you going to take responsibility for where your heart and mind and life are? Or are you going to trust and rely on somebody else to do it for you? Are you you going to sit back and say, Well, you know, I prayed the prayer, so therefore I don't have to do anything else. I'll just kind of go through the motions. I might have anger and frustration. I might hate a neighbor or whatever. But, hey, I, I, you know, I took care of that. And the issue here is getting prepared, getting ready for that return. And it doesn't matter what your age or status is. It matters what you do with the Lord. So... One of the things that a relationship with others in the way that Christ has instructed us to live our life is we have comfort from love. If we love one another as Christ loved us, we have a sense of preparedness. If, if I hold a grudge or if I'm uh, angry or frustrated with somebody else, I have to kind of be wondering, okay, am I right with God? That's one of the things I have to do. Do I need to go again and take that vacuum that we just saw? Do I have to go and use the vacuum in my heart and life and mind to say, I have an issue with somebody else? The Bible says if you do, get up and go and take care of that. Don't just sit back and hold on to those things but take the action that's necessary to resolve those issues. It's not always easy. Sometimes it it really takes a a spirit, an attitude of humility, where I say, you know, I've been having this feeling, this issue with you, and I'd like to resolve it. That's an act of love and grace that you can share towards somebody else. Sorry, I went two of them. Um, We also have the Holy Spirit, according to this scripture. What does the Holy Spirit do for us? <laughs> a lot, right? When, when, we read the, when we read the Word of God, without the Holy Spirit, we would only re- be reading words. We would not have an understanding, a grasp of what the context of that is, what, it, what it's all about. You know, we could read read the words over and over again. I, I don't know about you, but there's times when, when i be reading something and it's like, I don't get it at all. Not, not necessarily in Scripture, but but something else. You know, like you're reading, and it's like, it just doesn't click. But you know, there, there's something about reading God's Word because we have the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden we read something, and it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. God might be telling me, you need to take care of this thing. You You have something that you need to get worked out and taken care of and that's a blessing that we have because with that we have an understanding of what he is trying to teach us and help us to grasp and understand and one of the big missions that i really believe that we have as christians is to become more christ-like paul teaches that over and over and over and again in his in his letters Jesus gave us the perfect model and example. Are we going to be perfect? Of course not. But do we want to grow more and more and more like Him? To be more like Him so that others see Jesus in us? As opposed to to being repelled by us and saying, I never want to have a person like that in my life again, so therefore I don't want to know, if they call themselves a Christian, I don't want anything to do with Christ those are those are the ways we live and interact with others and the key there is having the Holy Spirit in us correcting us and helping us through that we have affection and sympathy from these from these verses uh, affection and sympathy for other people it, it's not about building myself up so that you know uh, hey I, I'm this great awesome Person, but rather, wow, I see beauty and grace and wonderful things in you. This morning, as these guys were up here singing, I couldn't help but just kind of look from face to face. I don't know if the rest of you ever do that or not, but, but I, I, I'm just looking, and, and what I saw over and over again was expressions of singing from a heart filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing songs that weren't just words, but but songs about an awesome and amazing God. And you could see that on their expressions. And that's what affection and sympathy are all about. Like, I look at those guys and I'm thinking, man, I, I really appreciate them. And I appreciate the time and energy that went into preparing and and the time that Julie spent in, in selecting the songs. It's all that we can glorify God with our very lives. Well, how are we to live with others within the body? That's one of the hard parts, isn't it? We... We, uh, we have to be side-by-side side with people and, and uh, sometimes they're going to say or do something that we don't necessarily agree with or maybe are very opposed to. How do we deal with that? How do we, how do we interact with those people within the body? This is This portion is talking about within the church, right? It's talking about within the body. How are we to interact? How are we to see those people? How are we to live our lives with them? Not always the easiest thing, but we need to be of the same mind, to be like-minded. What does that mean? Does that mean that every single thing that is said by somebody else, I have to be like, oh, that's I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that no matter what right? I, I don't know about you, but there's been times when Pastor Brian has been in the front preaching. And I love Pastor Brian's preaching, and, and, and I'm so grateful for him. He, he preaches the Word of God, and he's a phenomenal teacher. But there's every once in a while, I'll be sitting out there, and I, he'll say something, and I'll go like, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, I, I don't see that from, from this portion of Scripture. and and, uh sometimes we're in 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 a in a class right and uh or a bible study and somebody will teach something and you're like i don't know about that i'm not so sure that that's accurate and you know what that's okay you see it's okay because what does that do for me what that does is it spurs me to get in here and dig in and say okay is that person right or not am i wrong has my interpretation of this been wrong all this time? And, and, it, and it forces me to dig in and make sure one or the other of us. And, and there's been times when, when I've gone back to Pastor Brian, not very often, but every once in a while I'll go back to him and say, hey, Pastor Brian, I, I've been looking at this thing and I really don't think that your interpretation of that was correct. And he and I will sit down and talk about it. And, and ultimately we come away with the same mind we're like-minded not necessarily necessarily obviously agreeing that it's we're either one of us is absolutely perfectly correct but the general concept because never have i ever been in a conversation with him or heard him that is like the general concept is totally wrong it's just that minor little interpretation of something and he's got a doctorate you know so i mean who might i question him right but But you understand what I'm saying. The ultimate goal here is it's okay to not necessarily always agree with every single thing that's said, but then it should spur you to get into the Word to make sure that your interpretation is correct and then come out of it with the spirit and attitude that, okay, I agree with what you're saying. Or let's just agree that we have different interpretations, but one is not a sin and leading in the wrong direction having that like-mindedness allows you as a group of believers to move forward in a positive direction when you're not like-minded when when one of you wants to go this direction and one of you wants to go that direction and neither of you have been spent enough time in prayer and talking to others and finding finding out what's going on that's when turmoil is created and the whole idea, the whole concept here, is to avoid that that turmoil that can come from not being like-minded. When I was on the the school board a number of years back, one of the the things we were we were struggling through something, and I and I pulled the I was the chairman of the board at the time, and I pulled everybody aside and I said, look we can have our own opinions we can have our own thoughts and ideas but when we leave the room where we've made a decision if you're in the minority you agree with the majority because the purpose is for us to give leadership the same is true within the church there have been times when we have made decisions as an elder board where i'm not sure that was the right decision but you know what nobody else is going to know because I'm not going to go and undermine leadership to make myself look all puffed up we have to make sure we're like-minded moving in the same direction we need to have the same love loving others as Christ loved us that's easy isn't it that's one of the easier ones Like everybody that we interact with is easy to love right Just like we're easy to love. And then it says, as Christ loved us. Wait a minute. Christ loves me in spite of who I am. Can I do that with others? In fact, Christ loved me so much that while I was his enemy, a sinner, He died on that cross for me. Am I willing to die for all of you? I might be, given a certain circumstance. But if I was hanging on that cross... And you're down there insulting me and criticizing me and telling me I'm stupid and, and, and what I've been teaching is all wrong and, and if I'm really somebody important, why can't I just get myself down off of that? Would I stand there? Would I hang there on that cross and say, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're talking about. But isn't that what Jesus did? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you love others within the body that way? Do you care that other people in this congregation, this body of believers, may be hurting in a way that you don't understand? Are you willing to still stand beside them and to love them through that? And then, I believe this whole section revolves around this one point. Jesus humbled himself. Can you imagine? I mentioned a little bit ago about Jesus was in the beginning. He was the creator, right? He was there with the Holy Spirit. They were creating everything. He gets falsely accused. He's convicted for something he did not do. He's innocent. He could have called in armies of angels to come in and destroy all of those people who were creating the lies about him and instead he humbled himself. We see it when he's In the garden and he's praying he says father if it's possible for this cup to pass uh, I really don't want to go through this this is my paraphrase by the way you understand that, but but essentially he's saying "I, I really don't want to go through this but not my will but yours be done I will humble myself God father I will humble myself to allow myself to be crucified on that cross for nothing that I did wrong. That's humility. He did not consider himself equal to God, but he is God. And the last, we have to look out for the interests of others in the same way as ourselves. That's a tough one. Because our natural inclination, our natural uh, self, is to look out for my own interests. Right? Um, you go someplace and there's danger, and something bad is happening. And what's your natural inclination? Your natural inclination is to flee and get away with away from it. But if I'm fleeing and there's somebody else who doesn't have the ability to flee and get out of there, then I'm looking out for my own interests and I'm not willing to look out for the interests of others. So I have somebody who desperately needs help, and if I'm not caring about them, I take off and I go and take care of myself. That's the natural inclination. But we see example after example of people who in a crisis step in and take care of business to protect others. We saw that, if you've seen the video of the shooting in Texas at the church, people stepped up and came to protect the body by stopping somebody who was there doing a horrendous act. But how about something small or minor? How about you're standing in line someplace and somebody's in a hurry, and but I'm, I'm ahead of you in the line and I can't... And, and they ask, well, well, can I just go ahead of you? I only have one item. No, I was here first. That's looking out for yourself, not looking out for others. But how about in the church? Do we look out for the interests of others? Or again, is it all about me? Do I make sure that if I'm teaching or I'm up in the front that I'm using God's Word, which really has the interest of others? Because if I'm not teaching this correctly, if I'm not rightfully dividing the word of truth, then all I'm doing is hurting other people. I'm hurting the church. I'm hurting the body. We need to be about caring for other people. There we go. Didn't want to change for me. But well, what is Christ's example for us? He was God, but he didn't look at himself as God. You, Do did, did you pick that up in there? He did not count equality with God something to be grasped. I, I read that and it's like I scratch my head every time. In amazement, not in wonder or questioning, but in amazement that Christ gives us this model of humility that though he is God, he does not uh, see himself equal, equal with God in terms of power and prestige and those other things. He humbled himself. Why? Because his mission was the best interest of other people. I often, when I think about Christ's death on the cross, I think about his ability to not have to go through that, and yet he does it. He had the power to change the direction, but he humbled himself and he says, no, I'm going to do what God the Father has asked me to do, even though I am God the Son. It's amazing humility. He emptied himself, gave up his divine position by taking on humanity. You, you know, you, you think about that, and, and you think about... Christ lived in this world as a human being, but was sinless. He was perfect God in an imperfect world, could have easily picked up imperfect behavior because he's also 100% man. And he could have been doing things from a human standpoint, but he didn't. Instead, he lived a perfect life. And then he goes to this cross Do you ever think about this part? When Christ is hanging on that cross, our sins are being poured out on him. Every single sin, thought, word, deed, action, whatever it might be that you and I do, were being poured out on him. He had never experienced sin before that. Oh, as he walked around, he saw people sinning, but he had never experienced, he had never been a sinner, but all of this sin is poured on him. Be like you and I being at a garbage pit, having all of that garbage poured out on us. That's what it would have been like for Jesus. Pure, spotless, perfect Jesus bearing our sins. He humbled himself in obedience to the point of being willing to die. Are you willing to humble yourself enough to listen to somebody else, to care about somebody else, to work with somebody else, to change when the Holy Spirit is saying you need to change? Are you willing to humble yourself to the point where maybe I don't have all the answers? Maybe I'm not always right. And He was willing to die for us. Look at God the Father's response. You know, God the Father allowed His Son to go through this and it was part of the mission, the great commission of what He had been assigned to do. It says, God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name you know one of the things that's interesting about that there's been a lot of people who have attached like well what is that name and you know i I know one of the names is yahweh which is god and uh but we're not sure exactly what it is because scripture tells us he was given the name that is above every name but we're not told what that name is there will come a time when we're told when we're with him And all of, at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Who's involved here? When you read that, do you ever stop and think, okay, like, what does that mean? Who's, Who's in heaven? Well, it's anyone who's a believer, right, who has gone to heaven, it's uh, all of those, probably many from the Old Testament uh, who followed God. That's a pretty amazing place, right? On the earth, that's, that's everybody. Oh, by the way, everybody, who does that include? Oh, everybody. Everybody even those who deny Christ, right? Right? Those of us that confess Christ as Savior, but those who deny that there is a Christ, that there is a, that that God has sent His Son. Those atheists who, who stand up and proclaim, oh, we have all the answers, right? What about under the earth? What does that mean? Well, they're not in heaven and they're not on earth, so therefore they're somewhere else. Is that with Satan and Hades? Does that mean that even he and they will bow down and confess that Jesus is Lord? Yeah, that's what it says. There's no exception there. Did you see that? They're in heaven on earth, under the earth. They will bow down. Notice the word is will, not may or, or perhaps will bow down and confess Jesus as Lord. What does confess mean? They will proclaim it. They will say it. For what purpose? Notice that. Not for Jesus' glory. You see that? Glory of God. He's doing it to glorify His Father in heaven and God is allowing Christ to be Glorified with Him because of the work that He did upon that cross. When I read these things, I I study this and I'm amazed that, wow, God, You did that for me. Wow, I, I can't hardly believe it. Well, if you would turn with me to Revelation. And I want to conclude with this. And by the way, as guys were singing and, and uh, reading the scripture, I said to Ann, well, I can just stop. They just did the whole message for me, which was awesome. I love it. But in Revelation 22, we're going to read three verses. Ryan already read one of them. But let's look at three verses. We'll start with verse 7. And behold, this is Jesus speaking, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. What's the first part say? I am coming soon. I am coming soon. We don't know the time. We don't know what soon means. May not be in our lifetime. Maybe by the time I finish my message. Some of you are probably saying, yeah, I wish he would. (laughs) Verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. What's the beginning part? I am coming soon. Is there a theme here? Verse 20. He, Jesus, who testifies to these things, says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus has promised that He will come again. He said it when He was alive. Revelation is a book that I rarely, I read it, but I rarely ever preach or teach or study from it because it is so above me. But I come to verse, or to chapter Twenty-two. I am so encouraged because he says it over and over again and if somebody says something once that's a good thing right if they say it a second time what does that mean it's a point of emphasis right they say it a third time pay attention get ready I am coming soon and the operative word in there well there's several of them. I am coming is as a big part, but the soon part is the part that we need to be thinking about. Are we ready now for him to come? If he showed up right this second, are you ready? Have you taken care of all of the other stuff? I'm not saying you have to do something to earn your way to salvation. Please understand that. But are you ready so that when he comes, you can praise the Lord, he's here for me? Or will you be doubtful, wondering, well, I know I have this issue, but God has told us, take care of those things. Clean out your house. Get your heart ready. Jesus said, I am coming. And I am coming soon. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we find in your word that promises us, Jesus, that there will come that day when you will come back. That you're coming back to take us all to be with you in heaven. Lord, we we don't know the day and the hour. Help us daily. be about the business of being prepared where we have differences or conflicts or issues Lord help us to set those aside to correct them, to take care of them and to get our house ready you are an awesome and amazing God we look forward to that day when you will come back and we will be with you in paradise forever but until that day Lord help us on a daily basis, to get ready. You are a God who is so worthy. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit, because we can't do it on our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.